State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. It's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, place where the streets and politics meet. What's going on, Tamika? I mean, I'm back to work. I was on a zero. Now I'm like on a six. Yesterday I was on a five. I'm on a six now. I'm trying to get, you know, myself back into the spirit. I think, you know... I, I tried to take the vacation time, but I realized what I might need or may have needed. I feel better. It's more of like a sabbatical. It wasn't so much just 
the holidays, because then during the holidays, you're still holidaying. You're going shopping, you're meeting people, you're, you're, you're entertaining, you're cooking stuff. I got to make sure my mom and dad have what they need. You're traveling a little bit. This one has a party. That one has a party. I almost need time that I just have to sit in the dark if I want and do nothing. But you know what? Right now I'm feeling good. I'm back into it. We're getting, you know, revved up. And I think 2021 or 2023, excuse me, is going to be a really, really good year. Well, it better be, man. It's the Jordan year, man. You know, it's execution, man. I'm glad to see you back to work, you know. Uh, uh, but if you need a sabbatical, you might need to take that, you know. You might need a little dark room or something. Just be in there for a couple of weeks, not talking, hide the phone, put it down, you know, put it away so you don't have no community. Go to like an homage village. Yeah, so. you you have so many suggestions. I will figure it out for myself. I don't need you to tell well, me. Listen, what, because not you, at all. You now you want me to go to a village. I could just stay in my own house. It ain't that, that ain't gonna work? Yes, you, it is. You gonna grab your own phone? You gonna the people in your house gonna knock from downstairs? And no, they're is, not going to because they're gonna know. Don't bother me. Nobody cares about that. When you when you able to be reached, people gonna reach you. So I don't know why you think that's going to happen, but, you know, that's neither here nor there, man. Um, a lot's been going on lately. Um, the other day, we had a rally in the Bronx. You know, young boy, 15-year-old, Josue Ortega Lopez lost his life. And the crazy thing about the young boy, he was coming from the PAL, mm. shot, and, you know, he was he was on life support for a minute. And then they said they announced him brain dead. And then he, eventually he lost his life. And another young boy who, who hasn't been named, who was 16, was also shot. But he did. He, he survived, you know, with, um, with minor wounds. And um, that man was 15, right? He was 15. And the other young man who was shot was 16. And um, the crazy thing about it, you know, um, we were at the PAL and we did the rally and the mother came out um, and she was just so destroyed and it hurt my heart, you know, just seeing her just falling down to the ground, crying for her son. She snatched the picture and took him and, you know, it was a lot, man. And, it's, it, and it, it never gets easier when we watch, you know, mothers lose their children and know that they have to bury their children and know that forever they have this feeling of them losing something that was inside of them, they birthed, that they pretty much, their organs produce. Like the, 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 the organs inside a baby is comes from the mother, literally. This is a, a second version of her, you know? Mm. And understanding that is just crazy. But what was even more crazy for me was, so yesterday I went to a funeral for another young boy from the community of Highbridge who lost his life, you know, they call him Jelly. You know, um, he lost his life in a car accident. And while I was there to pay my respects, one of the people that I know from the community said, hey, I seen you at the rally. You know, that was Eileen's son. You know, Eileen, that's his mother. I'm like, Eileen? And I couldn't understand. He was like, Eileen, you know, Eileen used to be with Dizzy, who was my sister's best friend, and she used to be in the house with those two boys all the time. And I was like, and then it clicked into my head. And I remember Eileen, like she, cause Dizzy was a good friend of mine who 
I frequented her house all the time. And Eileen used to be in there with these two little boys, you know, and, and they were real young. And when you say 15, this is around, you know, 14, 15 years ago when I had first came home from prison, you know, so knowing that this young little boy who I, I shared space with and I played with, took to the store, used to buy a little, you know, toys for them, give them money to go to the store, lost his life. And I didn't even realize it, you know, was really touched me in a different way, man. So I want to um, send my, uh, my love out to the mother, to the parents, to the family, and um, and just say, man, we're here for you, man. It, it just was a lot, man, just, just seeing that situation. Mm, yeah, that mom, that was so heartbreaking. Wow. 15 years old. She has a 16-year-old child also. Yes, she um, does. Who's not deceased, uh, but her 15-year-old baby. It was just really sad. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. We know the issues. We could sit here all day and talk about gun violence and what it does and how it, you know, rips communities and families and all of that. We already know. And there's a lot of work that's happening across the country where people are responding. I thought the one great thing that I would say in a, it's a terrible situation. There's no way to make light of it. But one thing I would say that made me proud is the work that we did so many years ago, um, you know, work that I was directly involved in many years ago, more than 10 years ago, has materialized to so many groups showing up and being present. So when people say, you know, where's the protest or where's the organizing around uh, gun violence? You know, I know a lot of it is trolling and they know that the truth and they just say it anyway. But there's some people who really don't know. And I just encourage folks get involved with your local grassroots organizations that do that work, because there are people out here that are fighting for um, life. That's right. Period. Yep, shout out to AT, shout out to all of the organizations who are out there, Guns Down, Czar. Czar, listen, we don't we don't interview. Y'all know who the Czar is. We have yeah, sometimes you get new people, AT they don't know. Mitchell, so. The official gun violence czar in New York. New York. You know, so everybody who came out there, man, we appreciate y'all. Aisha Sekou, Aisha Sekou, President uh Vanessa. Vanessa Gibson. Was there? Um, Salamanca was there because we were. His mm-hmm. So everybody that came out, man, and, and the PL, the the um, officials inside the PL were very helpful to us. You know, we're looking forward to doing some work. You know, to try to curb the violence and just try to bring some level of awareness, awareness. You know, in the community. So black people just can't get a break, and we just cannot get a break. Sixty-five-year-old woman, Betty Smith was in this store called the, the um, Litterman's Grocery, and she found a $50 bill. So she's at the, the counter, $50 bill on the floor. She picks it up, said, look, it's my lucky day. She shows it to the, 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 the person at the register. She's like, oh, you're not leaving here with that. You're going to give me that. It might be my friends. He was here earlier. Now, she's the only one in the store. She looked like, I ain't giving you nothing. I done found this. You... You ain't getting no fifty dollars back for no black woman, no old black woman. Who so it was put, the person behind the register. The or? person behind the register. Yeah, um, she told her, "You not leaving here with that. You gonna give it to me because it could have been my friends." She told, "Listen, now I wish you. You think I wish you? I, would. I wish she like. I wish I would, man. You know how much money these people done took for me. You know how much money I spent it here, and I probably got me a little break." You know, this is the because when we find money, we say the God that said it to us. That's the, right. the 
That's, that's a gift from the Lord. So, they, so she tries to leave the store. She calls managers, everything. They locked the lady in the store. Mm -mm. Snatched the fifty dollar bill out of her hand. When she goes to try to to get it, puts in the choco. She said they call her all kinds wow. of black, all kinds of black bitches. This and that. You know, it was it's disgrace. And then the the daughter shows up after a while to try to get in there, and they arrest the daughter. Wow. They, they said she assaulted, and when you could see, like one of the, I guess one of the people who work in there in the front, like trying to stop the daughter from trying to get in, and she like pushes her, and the police walk up. As soon as she pushes her, the first thing they do is grab her. They don't ask no questions. They don't say nothing. They grab her and arrest her, and this lady's basically being held hostage for fifty dollars that she found, and it's yeah. just like. You know, we just we just can't get a break, man. I don't know what the rules and regulations are for all of this, but I would imagine. Well, first of all, don't tell anybody if you find money. You just put it in your pocket and keep it moving. We all know that. But I don't know if it dry if it was found inside of someone's establishment. Who owns it? I don't know. I don't know who is actually. We should ask a lawyer about that. Speaking mm -hmm. of lawyers, um, first of all, I hope that woman is okay. Um, but, you know, and her daughter. But speaking of lawyers, I am working on a show for street politicians where we have different attorneys to come together to talk about some of the legal issues of 2022. Um, you know, lawyers from different perspectives. Obviously, our friend Brian Benjamin was the um, lieutenant governor of New York State. Um, and he also was, you know, had a, a great re-election or an election bid because he was appointed to that position, but then was going to be elected into the position. And some scandal that I think was manufactured, unfortunately, by uh, government officials alongside a man who, anyway, it's a long story. People will learn more about it. Um, they you know, really, really tried to ruin Brian's life. And now, of course, the uh, case, part of the case, the most important part of the case has been dropped uh, and which is is un, is unheard of with the feds just dropping cases, which we see in a lot of that starting to happen. Um, and I wonder what that means in terms of the integrity of how the feds are working. And by the way, it could be the lack of integrity in the past. Mm -hmm. where there is now more integrity because of what we have fought for. And therefore, some of these cases that used to be open and shut because of the corruption and everything else are not open and shut anymore. So that's a different way to look at it. Right. Um, so him, you know, his case, I want to talk about the legal ease and around that would like to hear from some folks who understand or who agree with the Tory Lane's verdict and people who don't, you know, other, I'm talking about legal folks, legal minds, not just people who are lawyers that are paid to go out and say one thing or the other, but people who really have opinions that, um, you know, can help us to explore all the different sides of these issues. And I think we should put on it asking the question, if your money falls in a store or even in somebody's house and a person walks by and picks it up, who owns it? In somebody's house, I think that's way different. The store might be the same. I think it's only outside. Well, who, well, who if, if something, if, if money is found on the floor inside, who's to determine that it belongs to who? I don't know, but we should ask, right? We should certainly ask. So that's that's one of the things that I think should be on the list. I mean, and folks should actually reach out to us to tell us about issues that you want to hear us cover 
um, in, you know, this, this legal analysis moment that we'll be having with these uh, different attorneys. Actually, I wanted to do my thought of the day, but it is too extensive. Uh, but I think that when we come back next week, we need to really delve into the uh, AP course. I mean, we talked about it last week and I had the perspective and we discussed the perspective on the AP course that has been banned in Florida. Um, we talked about it from a perspective of what we think the real true reasons are for why they want to ban those that course or that that course work right that curriculum but then since we had that last week we were just talking about what i know white people be doing white people shit so that was last week this and then not just white people but racist white people this week we have had the opportunity to look through the curriculum i posted a bunch of stuff but now uh that we have looked through the curriculum and have more to discuss I would like for us to talk about and really kind of explore some of the issues that have come up with Black folks who agree with the ban because of things that they don't like in the curriculum. So today's not a good day to talk about it because we don't have the time to really get into it, but certainly next week. And in fact, I go as far as saying that perhaps we need to, um, you know, at some point pull in some professionals that can really talk about this whole issue. Well, with that said, let's get to our guests. Yep, I'm I'm excited about this guest because you know he's supposed to be the hot hot. So let's go see what he what he what he got hot. <laughs> Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of Black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and out one of you! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses. 
helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. So today we have a special guest in the, in the spirit of Black History Month. You know, I've been on all Black businesses, supporting Black um, business owners, shoe brands in particular. And this has come to be one of my favorites. You know, his the quality, the style, everything about his brand is just amazing. We have the, the great Devlin Carter, the owner of Sire Collective which stands for somewhere in America. How you doing today, King? I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, it's Black History Month, so we want to we want to really spread this Black-owned businesses and support our own. You know, um, you were one of the main people when I decided this campaign that I wasn't buying no more Nikes. You, your brand was the first p- person in my inbox. Everybody's like, you got to get sired. You got to get sired. And it's from, you know, people that I really respected. And I must say, man, they they definitely didn't steer me wrong, man. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to say I appreciate, especially the quality and you know and the uniqueness is is you know it's a lot of different brands and there's a lot of black owned businesses, but there's a level of quality and you have your own unique style that I, I just want to appreciate, man. So Thank so what, did you, what made you start doing this? How long have you been doing it? Okay, so um, I started doing. I started with sneaker customizing. So when I was 19, I went to Queensborough Community College in, in Queens, New York, and I met a dude that was painting his Jordans. 
and he showed me how to like paint my Jordans different colors. He wasn't telling nobody else. So I used to just walk around with my Jordans painted different colors. And people were like, yo, where you get black and yellow Jordans from? And I used to always use this line because my sister was in the army. It's like my sister's in the army in Germany. They just get different colors than us because the Internet wasn't popping like it was. You know, we talk about 1997. And uh, so that's how it started. And then a few years later, other people started figuring out and painting their J's. So then I was like, I got to do something that they can't do. So I was like, my mom always was a seamstress. She always made clothes. I was like, what if I use my talent and like my gift for being able to pick fabrics and start putting fabrics on shoes? And that's what I started doing in like 2000, 2001. I started doing a lot of rappers videos, doing the Gucci Air Force Ones and all of those type of things. And that's when I started making enough money where I had then got into owning my own barbershop, did that for about 10 years. And then at 25, I just said, you know what? I didn't make it rich in fashion. Like I told my sister, I would. So I said I would give the military a try. So in uh, 2003, I joined the United States Coast Guard. I did that for 11 years. And just in my last year, you know, I have kids. I'm moving around every four years and I'm not with my kids' mom. So then I have to live in New York and their mom's living in California. And I'm just like, nah, this is not how I pictured fatherhood to be. So I said, Instagram is out. I'm seeing all these guys customize sneakers and making a lot of money. I was doing it for 150. They're getting a thousand. So I said, you know what? I'm going to just put all my time into showing them. I'm really that guy. I really do dope customs. So I just started doing new customs every day, taking shoes fully apart, remaking them with snakeskin, alligator, all that cool stuff. And I started making more money at doing that than my military salary. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get out and I'm actually going to go to fashion school and really be, you know, that 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 thing to my daughters when I say, yo, you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. But if I never been the dad that go and give up a whole career, nine years short of retirement and trying it, then I feel like I'll be a hypocrite telling them to chase their dreams if I never chase mine. So in 2014, I got out of the Coast Guard and I went to the Fashion Institute in San Francisco, graduated with honors. And from there, opened my own boutique. The pandemic caused us to close that down. And I just went direct to consumer. Wow. Wow. So I'm hearing so many amazing things from you as a black man. It makes me as a black woman just feel so full just to hear you talk about, you know, ownership, of course, you know, entrepreneurship, then whatever was necessary. If you needed to go to the Coast Guard and get a job, you had to go do that, which means you meant you also served our country. Um, then you talked about, you know, fashion school. So every step of the way, you were very intentional about this moment that you're in right now. So many of our young people think they can just pop up a shop and start selling things. And it's not just young people. It's a lot of people that do yeah. not understand the grind and the hustle and the steps and the fact that you had to go in different directions to come to the place you're in now. Yes. And with an ultimate goal of being a, a stable father who had access to being, you know, with his children at all times. I think it's an incredible story. And, you know, I, I, I have heard, um, you know, over and over from people, you know, when we're to, when, you know, folks always come to me, like, why is my son throwing out all his sneakers? Everything he does, the people call me and, you know, talk about him and ask me, what you think? Can you stop him? Like tell him, he, you know, they always do that. And, um, you know, you always come up, Saya, the brand comes up all the time as being like the hot brand. So, you know, congratulations on that. Thank you. 
tell us the steps in terms of not not you know I know the career steps but in terms of how you actually got your brand front and center what was that like okay so when um when I had got out of when I graduated college I then um I'm a, I'm a super homebody you know like I don't all of that nightlife stuff and all of that it just doesn't do it for me it's like it's my kids and my passion that's my day to day so when I wanted to start Saya a meme was going around on Instagram and it was Steve Jobs um Jeff Bezos Bill Gates all of these guys started their company in their garage and they grew to be multi-million dollar and then multi-billion dollar companies so when I seen that meme I, I, I screenshotted it and I told my kids, I said, look, you see these guys, they started in their garage. Watch, I'm going to build a multi-million dollar company from our garage and the garage that went where I lived at, I was paying rent. I wasn't a homeowner yet. So, and I built, I, we, we stopped parking our cars in the garage. I built all the shelves, the computer, the system and everything. And I said, I'm going to start a brand that's literally direct to consumer because I learned in school that direct to consumer was going to be what the market was going to start changing into. And this is before the pandemic and the pandemic just really just jet set it that forward. So I said, if I could build the straight to consumer, what I can then do is I can give higher quality being that I don't have a wholesaler and I don't have to pay somebody else to sell my stuff. If I'm ready to put the work in and do the work myself, as of now, we've made over $50 million and I haven't paid for one advertisement yet. Like I, I just wanted to build something organically. And I knew from being a customizer, if I was dedicated and if I would show the people that my passion and my dedication and I would teach my customers, because one thing I always do is teach them. I'm like, look, this 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 hoodie you're buying for three hundred dollars. This is this is like eight eighty GSMs. This is the lightest weight you can get. This is cheap. And you're paying this price. You got to go four hundred and eighty GSMs. I'll pull out the books. I'll pull out the Pantone codes because I feel like no matter what, as long as I'm teaching, somebody is going to be that next person that's going to be like because I may not make it to be the, the, the greatest black designer or whatever or brand. It may be the, the kid that I've been tutoring and mentoring to do that. But as long as one of us do it and we can continue to make that, then then that would be what it is. But one thing that, like you said, these people don't understand, you can't just pop up and have a brand. One thing people don't know when I got out of the I was in the military. I got out a year left on my contract because we had a family hardship. So I had to pay and move myself. Usually the military will move you from where you're at to your new location. I had to pay for it because it was a hardship. So I lost all my savings account moving from New York to California to then um, put down enough to get enough, you know, two months rent, two months security and all of that to move. And then at the time I was doing great in New York. I had a Mercedes that I was paying nine hundred dollars for with my my stuff. And then my apartment was thirteen hundred dollars. When I got out of the Coast Guard, I had thirteen hundred and fifty dollars to my name. So and I'm in California. I have no family here. So I said one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to fail. And I said, two. I will never, ever allow myself to be this low in life where I'm this close to being homeless. So what I had did to get out of that, I always taught people how to customize shoes. I've always been a teacher. So I used to have this dye that you can dye the bottom of like rubber shoes like Jordan 11s. And it would change from pink to yellow to whatever color you wanted. And that dye went viral. And I was selling that dye for $25 for like a half an ounce. But a half an ounce could do like six pairs of shoes. So other customizers was buying it for me, charging $75 to do people's shoes. I was making 50 grand a month off of a dye I was making in my sink, right? So with the money from that dye, what I did was I remembered that I said, listen, I am never going to go back to this point. So even when I was making a lot of money, I lived like I was broke. 
I was eating top ramen. I would only eat a good meal like shrimp steak on a Friday. I was eating like I was a poor college kid. And I'm just sitting there stacking up money, stacking up money. Because one thing I've known throughout my whole life is that nobody is really going to finance your dream. When you're ready for that dream and you're ready to do that, you can get $100,000 in school loans, but your oppressor is not going to finance your business freedom. Like they're not going to give you the money that is going to take. If you say, hey, I want $20,000. I see the storefront. I want to put my clothes in there. I know it's going to sell out. I have good sell through on my website. When I do this, they're going to be like, oh, no, we just don't see it. Because if you give somebody $20,000, they could pay that back in a month. You give them $100,000, you owe them for life. So they have your leverage. I never gave up my leverage through this whole journey. And that's one thing that I would love to let other entrepreneurs know that's coming up. You got to be ready for those sacrifices. You have to know that, that this is what it's going to take. Like these companies are not going to give you a loan, right? So if, if you know that, then you can prepare yourself to never be in that situation where you need the handout to, to believe, to, to, to get out what you actually believe in. That's real. I say that all the time. Man. It's, it's a mindset. We have, we have a mindset that we are so attached to this structure in the system that we don't even believe. And, and when I made the decision that I wasn't wearing Nikes, that's what it was for me. You know, it was something that, you know, the, the, the guy said, the night guy from Nike, and it resonated. It made me just feel away, and I was like, "Yo, Phil Knight." Phil Knight. It really, it really bothered me, and I was like, "Damn, I got hundreds of pair of Nikes, man." I want to say, and then I said to myself, "Why do I feel like I'm attached to these sneakers? Why do I feel like this? I, I can't get out of this brand because they've indoctrinated me into some shit that I don't even want to be a part of." But right. I feel. Well, I brought these sneakers, so I have to deal with the disrespect and all of this shit that comes with it because I'm attached to a brand. So what I want to ask you is, what was the process like for you getting people to, to buy into your brand? Because people are so indoctrinated into, you know, Nike, this and that. How how hard have you seen just transitioning your, your own black people to say, look, we got quality sneakers here too. Is do you see the process to where it's hard or is it is it is it become easier? What do you say? So in the beginning, like I told you guys, I was customizing Nikes. I was taking Jordans apart, making them look dope with real snakeskin and real quality. So I built up my audience that way first. And mm -hmm. then what became cool about that is my audience started turning on Nike. This is before Nike's done anything. I'm talking about like six years ago. They started telling me like, yo, why are you wasting your talent making Nike shoes look good when you should make your own sneakers? And at the time, I, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of offended. Like, let me make my own sneaker. How am I going to make my own sneaker? Like, I didn't even know that was a possibility, you mm -hmm. know? So the good thing is that why it's also good to go to college for the young kids listening, on my profile, it says Fitum graduate. So what happened was somebody else who graduated from FITM who's in manufacturing seen that and reached out to me and said, hey, brother, I know you're, you're a FITM alum. I'm also a FITM alum. I'm African-American and I live in China. I could actually introduce you to factories and get your product made if you ever want to make your own sneakers. And then from there, that's when the light took off. I was like, you know what? At the time, I, I'm, I'm a sneakerhead, so I'm in the sneaker community. I can hear all the complaints. We're tired of Jordans going up in price, but the leather getting worse, and it's not real leather, and it's not this. So I said, okay, there's a, there's a niche market of people who actually want genuine leather, dope shoes that you can still wear with jeans because the Nike shoes, like Jordans look good because we wore them with jeans, but when you get the LeBrons and all these other shoes, they don't look good with jeans anymore. They're really straight performance monsters. 
right? Mm-hmm. So being that now there's an avenue of people needing a sneaker that they can wear with jeans. And I said, you know what? I'm going to create that sneaker. And that's how it started. When people seeing it and people doing reviews and now they're comparing my first shoe that I designed to a Nike shoe, they're like, this is not even, this is not even close. Like this quality is, this quality he's doing, I don't even know how he's selling it for this price. You know, when I went on a breakfast club, Envy was like, literally, this shoe should be $1,800. So then more people started seeing it because they're like, wow, this guy who buys all this, you know, um, designer is saying this shoe is a better quality by a black man. That started making people like come around and giving us a shot. And when they give you a shot and you live up to it, then and they're wearing something that nobody knows. And they're walking in the streets and somebody say, yo, what shoes are you wearing? Those are fly. That's it. Because now, you know, you got on something dope. And then it's also like back in the 90s, how in New York, we didn't want to look like nobody else. We, if you was in Harlem, you would go to Brooklyn to get something that Harlem dudes wouldn't go to Brooklyn to get and so on and so forth. So it's like it's like having a little bit of still that New York and also still just being a people watching the people observer. What was your first? I want to ask you real quick. What was the you Do you know the first shoe you made? Do you have? Like, yeah. yeah, it's called the V. It's called the VV1, the Valid Victorian. I have it right here. Let me, let me pull. So this was the first shoe we designed. This oh, colorway yeah. and everything, right? It's so. a nice, it's a um, it's a veg tan color, so it's a nice tan. And then the inside is a light pink. And I had did this shoe because I wanted it in a neutral color that women would also like, but also it was a it was a dedication to my mom and my first daughter that passed away. So like on the box, it had a message to my my first daughter telling her, you know, like daddy's doing it. I'm doing everything I came to your grave and told you I was going to do when I got out the military. And then also my mom at the time, she was sick. So I had a birthday on the inside. So in, and the dope thing about the shoes, when we sold it, I sold it at my boutique and I said, we're going back to the old way of doing stuff. The only way you could buy it is if you're at the store and it's first come first serve. It's no raffles. It's none of all that other stuff, brother. And when we did that shoe, the next day we had a line around the corner. People flew in from China, New York, from all these different states online to buy that shoe. And wow. from there, it's been like I knew I was I made the right decision and I knew like, yo, this is this is going to go somewhere as long as I continue to stay on message. Wow, that's amazing. And you know what I love about what you just said? You actually because you own your brand, because it is your creation and your design, you were able to customize it to what felt um, you know, like a, a spiritual connection for you. And that's something that we don't get when we're buying things from companies that don't know, understand, nor respect us, right? Like, I don't want to buy a pair of sneakers that has, you know, some other person outside of my community's family member and loved one and story on it. Like, I want to, I want to experience that with my brothers and sisters, right? Exactly. Um. So, you know, it's, it's, that's a powerful point. I have two questions. One mm-hmm. is, you mentioned your daughter, condolences to you and your family. How old was she when she passed away? And how mm-hmm. long ago was that? And then the second question is, what's your team like? Like, who are all the folks that you have working with you? Because it sounds like you do a lot of one man in. Um, I, do. <laughs> I do. Okay, so um, my daughter, she was uh, 31 days before turning one years old. I was I was uh, with my first wife. I was in the Coast Guard and we were stationed in, in Mississippi and uh, Hurricane Katrina was happening. So when Hurricane Katrina happened, my um, my ex-wife, she was from Oakland. So they moved her before the hurricane came and I was out in the ocean doing hurricane relief. But when we during her whole pregnancy, I just always was like, you know, this this is also my first child ever. But I'm like, yo, your stomach is not 
to the, you know, it's not big. Like, I, I think your stomach should be bigger than that at the month that you are. I always thought something was all with that. But then my mom reassured me, like, well, when I had you, I barely had a stomach. So, you know, when we got stationed back to California because of the hurricane to get out the way, she got a new doctor and they were saying that she wasn't making enough amniotic fluid. So they had to induce the labor five weeks early. Like everything was going good. My daughter was fine. I never knew she was even in any danger of passing away until she passed away. Then they would tell us like, well, you know, she had this and she had that and these different things that they never told us. So it really hit. And we were already separated at the time. So that made it even harder, you know. Um, You know, it was hard because like I got married. I didn't want a baby mother. You know, I wanted a wife and I get it. And I get my, I wanted a daughter. I got a daughter and God took her away. Like I thought it was unfair. Like I was so angry about that, you know, but, but, um, but you know, it's like everything happens for a reason. The stuff they was telling us after was like, she would have been in pain. She probably would have never walked. So it kind of like made me not be so selfish about it, you know? And, um, you know, but then I said, after that, I'm going to dedicate everything I do to you, you know, so there's no reason to be scared, fearful. I have the guardian angel that's going to make sure daddy is good. Right. So um, after getting, you know, after getting out of that, you know, and finally, like, it still hurts, like, because she was born in, in September. Um, she died in September. She was born in October. So around that time, it's always a little, you know, because I miss her. She would have been 17. So she would have been 17 if she would have lived like her whole her whole life up until now. Um, but, yeah, you know, so she's my inspiration for why I do what I do, you know, and I always want to be just a great dad and somebody she could be proud of as a man. You know, so I keep those morals and those beliefs and everything that I know I'm looking out for my angel. And I know she's proud because I've done it, you know, and I've done it with the help of my team. So here I have I just I just moved my best friend from New York. I just moved her out here with her family. So I have her, have my assistant, Ashley, have my co-designer who I graduated college with, Danny here. I got, I have like 10 people that work here out of my house. I own uh, two clothing factories in Pakistan where I have 22 workers there. Um, so I have a team and then I have my fulfillment center in, in Colorado and it's about 14 of them. So I have like a 40, like a, close to 40 man team. But when it comes down to literally what we do on a daily basis, designing, that's what I do. I wake up in the morning and me and Danny just design all day because, you know, we have to compete with those bigger guys in Nike. They might have 20 people in their design team, but they're not going to put out as much work as me and Danny are going to put out because we come here to do that. This is our baby with them. They're just taking a check. So the passion is different. They'll leave. They'll get fired from Nike and work for Under Armour the very next day. So it's just a check for them. For me, it's 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 my family legacy. It's I have to be the guy to show like I if as far as I get, then then there's no excuse for anybody behind me. To say, well, I can't get to that level because nobody's done it before me. Well, now you have somebody who's doing it. You have a guy with a shoe in the NBA with no commercials. You you know, you have all of these things that you can't use that as an excuse anymore. That's dope. So, you know, during the boycott, I was supporting Kyrie. You know, I was supporting you and, you know, and it was it was dope to see that you guys actually you knew had a meeting with his team, to, you know, to try to figure out something about shoes and then figure out how could you guys collaborate? How did that come about? And like, what, what's the status of that now? 
Yeah. And, and that came about through even just being on your page and, and, and seeing you post all of the stuff. And then something Tamika has said was like the last straw for her was when the guy at Nike, the owner, said that he what he said went too far. And I'm like, he didn't say anything. Exactly. How could how could you not say a word and get fired for hate speech? Like that was just the last draw for me. And then, um, you know, when I got once uh, he got dropped, everybody started adding me on every post. Like, you should reach out to Kyrie. You should reach out to Kyrie. Nike dropped them. So I watch what Kyrie does. Like one thing, like Kyrie, is, he's about loving all. He's about peace. And he also is a he gives back a lot more than they talk about. Like really? he'll donate. He donates money here, there, here, there. And that's what I do in my community, too. And I have just the utmost respect for people who are financially able to give back. And it's not just about, oh, stacking all this money, stacking all this money, because people just don't realize it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't change anything in your life other than the stressor of paying a bill. Mm -hmm. And that's only a one minor stressor for people financial. Other than that, you still have the same problems. Mm -hmm. So being that he does so much for other people, I was offering my services for free, like. I, I can help you get the factories in China if you want to do your own brand the same way Kobe was going to do before his untimely passing. He was going to start Mamba Sports. And I would love to see Kyrie finish that, you know, so and I know that he may not have those those connections and those doors to get unlocked and I can open those doors for him. I can hook him up with with manufacturers that can bring, I can help him design the shoe and bring it to the manufacturer and get it made. I even had a podiatrist on board ready to help with the science of the shoe, all of these different things that you would need because people think that it's so hard to do what these big companies are doing. They're like all the tech that's in shoes. It's not a lot of tech in shoes. They act like they're putting rocket science in these shoes. It's literally foam, different types of densities in the foam. There's what you call a shank plate, which is like, either plastic or carbon fiber that's in the shoe that makes it bounce back when you snap it in half. So that's the energy return. There's not too much more than that to a shoe. Mind you, we watched Patrick Ewan and them play in shoes that just was rubber. So, you know, it's, it's not people just, they make, they, they do all these cute advertising and marketing to make you think that there's so much more that goes into this product that it really doesn't. And I'm very familiar with that. Mm. Well, listen, I hope that you and Kyrie are able to work together. You know, I know his manager, who is his um, uh, stepmom, um, and, you know, she's an incredible, brilliant businesswoman. And hopefully you all will be able to create something and make us proud. Right. Like take it and 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 go from the tragedy and the as far as I'm concerned, the, the uh, injustice of Kyrie being dropped for uh, this situation, which again, he apologized. He said what he said. I respect him for as a man. He stood up to take knowledge what he his role in, um, you know, in, in offending another community. And I think he did. He did that. And he he um, he completed that task. Yep. However, you know, we all know that when black people have any issue, the world wants to literally lynch us. Lynch us. And that's what, in my opinion, happened to Kyrie. So I'm, I hope that 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 you guys are able to do it. The one thing is two things and I'm done that I want to talk about 
One is I heard you talking about Pakistan and China and, and those places, obviously they are, this is their expertise. This is what they do, right? Yeah. But what I think we also need to be looking at is how we can go into the continent, into Africa. We visited Ghana and we learned that within Ghana, there is so much brilliance and talent, but we have not set up and helped them to establish the infrastructure that they need to become the next China that can produce, you yeah. know, products or whatever. And so I just wonder if you ever think about what it looks like to really go to, and I know Kyrie is interested in, um, you know, being in Africa and finding ways to develop in that on our continent. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. The, so the only thing is with, so, so the reason why you like, you know, people do uh, production in like Turkey, China or Pakistan is because um, there's like an app, Alibaba. Alibaba gives you all of the warehouses, like all of the manufacturers around the whole world. So you can talk to them on the app of Alibaba. But there's no if there was an Africa on there, then we would be able to talk to Africa and know, like even not going there. Like I've never been to Pakistan. I probably won't go because Pakistan is just. You're, you're on a flight. Right. Once you get right. once you go to Pakistan, you're done. Like you flying, you get stopped everywhere. Right. But so the thing is, we is it's getting it's, it's I don't even know if they have factories. If they have factories, then I could do work there. But the thing is, I don't even have the communication to talk to them. So that would be a trip. You know, well, that's just, a, it's the trip. Yeah. First of all, we are we um will be having a trip that's coming up in the next few months that we will invite you to come and be a part of. Yes. I don't know if they have factories, but they have land and they have people um, and they they have brilliance. In fact, everything that everybody else is doing was created right there on the yeah. continent. And other people have been able to capitalize from our brilliance, because for the most part, we've taught everybody everything and designed right. everything. So we should figure that out. And, I, and, and yeah, our time is coming to an end. I want to ask you about customer service. Yes. Of all the things I've heard about the product, how great it is. Everybody has positive things to say, but I've also in the comments, because every now and then I read them, have seen people um, with issues around customer service. Can you yeah. talk about that? And then, and, and my only little piece of advice as a person who I'm a big customer service, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a want for customer service, if you will. Sometimes we're great at creation and building and all of that, but need to have somebody else help out with the part yeah. that has to do with interfacing with people. Do that's, you feel like that's an issue or something that you're working on? No. So the problem with customer services, people don't read. And that's the problem with social media. So everything that we do is the most transparent. Like, right. So our product sells out super fast. So sometimes we'll have a shoe like this. We drop it in five minutes, the shoe is gone. I'm ready to move on to the next shoe because we have a warehouse full of new shoes to drop every week. We drop a new shoe every Friday and every Saturday. So when it sells out, some people are like, you know what? We want the product, but it's sold out too fast. Can you do a pre-order? So I'll say, sometimes I say no. A lot of times I say no. Recently, I've been saying yes again because with the whole Kyrie thing, we've been getting a lot of new people. It literally says, this is a pre-order. And all in the description, it says 90 days minimum as we get our shoes made in China. So sometimes they may have COVID. They have zero. To, all of this is in it. Then we also have an update on our page that's always there right here. So you hit the update tab. 
And every single update that's made, we let me post the update. Every update, it will put it up every week. So, like, look, every weekly update, if you hit it, it tells you, and it's got the date in the corner for every update. Every week, if I have an update, I give it. The, the only thing is that social media, everybody wants the quick, they don't want to read. I'll post a shoe right now. My son has seen it. This shoe is dropping at 10 o'clock, California time, in sizes 5 to 15. The first comment would be like, hey, when can I buy this shoe? <laughs> like, I can't make people read. And literally, the people who are complaining about customer service, are people who don't read. It's literally like, this shoe is a pre-order. They'll ask in two days, yo, I haven't got my tracking number yet. What the F is going on? This is why I don't deal with Black-owned businesses. It's like a lot of Black people have that, that thing of like, yo, they want to tear you down because they think you're going to do them wrong because yeah. of what they condition us to believe, right? Mm -hmm. I have this... It makes no sense for me to take your money and not give you the product, especially when I know the quality of my product and what it's going to do once you have it. You're going to want to buy more. I would never take your money and not give you the product. But I also can't make people read when it's literally the first thing in there. Now we've resorted to putting the word pre-order on the picture on the website. So like if you even get past that and we still had people order the shoe and they say pre-order on it. And they still hit us a week later saying, why haven't the shoes shipped yet? Now, those are the type of things I can't change that. I have a, I don't do customer service. I have three people who answer customer service emails. It's right on my profile. It's, it just says email. You click that and you're right to customer service. And the, one of the young ladies who's in charge, her name is Astrid. She is amazing. She has amazing patience. She's a sweetheart. She lives out in New Orleans and she answers all of the emails from there. And the people who actually hit her up, they send me like, oh, my God, she's so sweet. You have great customer service. But the people who think they should get their shoes in three days after it said 90 days are the people that are the ones that are complaining. Well, I heard it. <laughs> and everything I said, you can check it yourself. You can get the a lot update of people, link. <laughs> most of the people that I know um, that order from you, that, I, you know, the people who giving me that directly, people that I know, they're like, yo, I never had no problems. I never had no issues. Saya is the best. You should have been this. I've been on Saya for the last two, three years. And I'm like, well, damn, nobody ain't tell me. But so, you know, everybody has a different experience. So it seems like you explained that. But I just want to, I want to ask this last question because I know you got to go. What is your ultimate goal for Saya? Where do you see Saya in the next 10 years? Like, what do you ultimately want to do? So, of course, we're going to continue to grow and continue to have dope things. We're going to have shoes in the NBA. So now with the whole Kyrie thing, regardless of how that plays out, we're going full speed ahead and making performance basketball shoes. I'm a season ticket holder for Sacramento Kings, so I have players there that I can have wear the shoes. Being that I have, excuse me, Montrez Harrell, who plays for the Sixers, who wears our shoes. He's also been signed to Reebok. So I know how these companies run these things now. They'll literally not even pay players. They just give them shoes and give them an account on a website to get stuff for free. So like, I don't even have to be paying players millions of dollars to wear our product. And then a lot of players are just a part of the community. And they're like, yo, if you make a basketball shoe, I'm going to wear it. Just, just shoot me some sizes and I'm going to support. The other thing that we're doing now is with, um, with our new memberships, we're going to do a discord and I want our discord to be like a black wall street. So it's like, if you're in there and you support size, like, Hey, I have this company that makes CMOS. I have this company that that's a photographer. That's a videographer. So we have it in there. And if we can keep that whole group economics going in there, now we're building one, 
multiple entities from one entity that's actually have a good amount of attention on them right now. It's always about how can we do as a community to bring each other up higher? Because mm -hmm. if if my whole thing and in, in, in this whole thing that I'm doing with my company, with my business is that I only make my family rich and I have been a big, complete failure because mm -hmm. because that's not my success. Like I wake up, this is I'm doing what I never thought was possible. I wake up every day in my house still. You know, we're building a facility, but in my house, I get to design. I get to be a stay at home dad and make millions at the same time. Like I couldn't have it any other way. But the money has never been the motivation. The motivation is just what can you push the envelope next? Like we've been doing like you're wearing the foam shoes. We've been doing the foam shoes before these companies been doing them. We're on our fifth and sixth. We're on our fifth and sixth foam shoe and they're copying what we're doing. And we're moving on to seven and eight. Like we we want to be that where they're like, you know what? Oh, Nike did that. But yeah, Saya did that three years ago. You know, and y'all excited about it now. Y'all should have seen this guy, you know. <laughs> So that, that's 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 the goal is just to keep doing that and to keep seeing other young um, companies of color also strive. Right. Because if we have it everywhere where we can get suits from this person, this person, this person, then nobody can tell us that they don't like what we say or what we stand for. That's because right. we because we're so attached to these brands that don't care about us, like all these companies, Nike, Adidas, they make all their money off of young black men that play sports. But yet. You go to the projects, the courts are messed up. If this is your talent pool, why don't you invest in the community, put a community center there, put a rec center, put a brand new court there, right? When we made our own version of the Timberlands, people from the hood were mad, like, why are you obsessed with Timberland? What they did for you? What do they do for you? When we made a better looking shoe with this better quality and the same exact price, but you say, oh, it's taboo to touch a Timberland. Like that, that mind state right there is not gonna get us nowhere. You're attached to something to a whole nother family that don't even care about your black skin. I've never seen Timberland say, yo, we want to we want to promote your next march. We want to give you guys the money to fly, to go protest here, to protest there. Since you've been spotted in our boots while you've been doing the, the groundwork in Ferguson or there, they don't care. Right. So all these companies that don't care about you, why do you care about them so much? And why is it a problem when somebody who looks like you tries to change that? for the future coming up. Hmm. Well, you said a mouthful, brother. And when we get when we get the answers to those, we're going to be able to change a lot. You know, cuz that's that's our biggest our biggest um problem to me is that we we're so attached to a structure and a system that doesn't love us and we're so scared to break away from it. So when we when we finally break those chains, we're going to get what we're supposed to get. I want to thank you for being here, King. Continue to do what you do. This is Saya somewhere in America. Devlin Carter, Saya Collective. Keep making the fly shoes. And need me a couple more. I got to look with them, you know. But these, these right here though. And I, yeah. I, I need the ones with the light up bottoms though. Yeah, I got you. So I got you. I need them too. I need I, we, them too. We got you. You said uh, five and boys, right? Yes. I got you. We got keep you. Keep going, Salute you, man. Keep being great. Thank right, you man. so much. You, this was black a great excellence in Black History Month. This is Black Excellence. That's right. That's right. Great interview. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. I appreciate y'all for real. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely right, Carter. Thank you for joining Street Politicians. A new friend. This is our new friend. <laughs> State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future. 
building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. That's how we own it! Dope, man. Dope interview, man. Shout out to Devlin. You know, Sire Collective, somewhere in America. He seems, he's very business savvy, understands the game. Mm-hmm. 
you tell that he's um, been around and he studied his craft. You know, that's that's what you want. It's not just somebody to say, you know what, let me go make a T-shirt, Fruit of the Looms, and just put a name on it and say, I got a business. Now, this is a man who created his own empire, you know, who had a vision, who started out just customizing other brands of shoes and then, you know, got put on to, you know, actually creating his own brand. And, and, it's, and, I, and, I, and I, I stand by it. You know, every pair of shoes that I have from Saya are quality, fashionable, they're different, they don't look like anything else, it's creative, you know, and you can see that he 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 definitely believes in his brand. He has a lot of confidence. He's driven, man. That's black excellence, man, in black history, month. It is, and I, I love it. I mean, I love his vigor, you know, the way he speaks, the way he knows his stuff, you know, the 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 story, you can hear the hustle, you hear everything. I love it. You know, I think he will even it's going to it can only get better. You know, that's that's the one thing we know is it can only get better. And I think he needs to be supported if there are issues and challenges. He needs to be made aware of them. And we as a community, that's what the whole Kwanzaa principle like that's what the Kwanzaa principles are supposed to be about. Right. It's also what the uh, the the steps of the stages of nonviolence that Dr. King taught about, right? And what he followed, it's all about when there's misunderstanding, when there are issues and challenges and things that would stop us from being able to grow and work together, we have to find a way to lean into those principles and figure out which one of those things can we use to mitigate the issue so that we could continue to move forward positively as a community where it will help us to grow. And I hope that anybody that's out there that's like, oh, well, I had a bad experience with Sia Collective. You heard his response. But beyond that, figure out like even in yourself, did I read all the information properly? And if I did, maybe you want to sit down and write an email now. Hey, I heard you talk about reading, but it wasn't so much the reading that was the issue here is my challenges without insults, without you know being disrespectful or nasty about it, even if you feel like they were to you at one point. It mm -hmm. all we can control is ourselves, right? And only way that we can make what we have better is if we have the patience and the discipline to step back and say, I'm gonna try to approach this differently from how. I have been impacted to see if there's a, a better way forward. That's what we got to do. I mean, it's what we have to do. You talked about at the top of the show, all of this stuff that's happening across this country and all the things, even just in New York, people being killed, people being harmed, all kinds of things. We got to change the way we communicate and deal and, and, and actually approach loving one another. We have to, man. We definitely have to. So shout out to, once again, shout out to Devlin. Shout out to Side Collective. Keep doing what you do. Now, my I don't get it is is a little lap. It's a conversation, right? That I constantly hear, and I'm confused. So, and, and I'm and I'm talking to you and women. I want y'all to tune in. I want y'all to kind of help me because I know she's gonna probably try to break this down. So, I was watching this interview. Came across my timeline. And it was Jesse Wu talking to Candy Coated, and they were talking about so women. So she was on Candy Coated, I think. She is was on Candy With Candy. She was talking to Candy. She was talking to Candy, and she was on Candy Coated, and they were talking about women not having orgasms from sex. And I really, for the life of me, 
do not, because this seems to be a common thing. And they were talking about 80%, 90% of women aren't having orgasms from sex, right? And I don't understand for the life of me why y'all do it and why you not telling a nigga that ain't giving you the orgasm. It's it's like, for me, it's, it's I don't think I would ever have sex with a woman if I wasn't, if I wasn't climaxing. I don't see, I don't, the, the, the mind state of it to me is so crazy to me. Like, I really just do not get it. What is the, what, like, sex must be something completely different for women than it is for men. Because for men to have sex and not climax is like a waste of time. Well, first of all, a man's, a, a, a male orgasm is visible. So you don't have the ability to fake as much as a but woman. Why would I want to? Well, I mean, I'm just I'm going through my little point. So that's first of all. So, but in order to understand that, like I remember I must have been, I don't know, 23. And I went to see my um, gynecologist and I wasn't talking about orgasms. We were talking about something else. And she was just like, oh, well, you know, most women don't have orgasms. And she started talking about before you even get far down the road in your sexual life, you need to learn to speak up and tell the truth about how you feel. And it took me some time to get to the place where I'm comfortable doing that. What I would say is that we have to understand society. You you and I have actually talked about this before, but it's been seasons and seasons ago. We have to actually understand society and how things were designed, right? And this and it connects to other conversations, even going back to what I said earlier about women being present in the movement, right? When you deal with patriarchy and what patriarchy means, and we were taught patri- patriarchy from a European mindset that the man is the head, uh, and 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 we support that. We support. I know I do. We've already talked about this. I support the man being the head of a household, a community, a home in my life. I'm. I have no issue with that. But. We know from our African culture and values that it wasn't that the man was the head to the point that a woman was suppressed because obviously the king was, we have to repeat things over and over again so people don't forget. The king couldn't even be um, crowned as king unless the queen agreed. She had to tap him for leadership, right? So when we know that, we know our values are not the way that European society sort of came in and changed our thinking. So Mm -hmm. once we started to take on values that don't belong to us, we were taught as women that our role, our only role is to satisfy a man. That's all we're here to do is to satisfy the man, make sure the man is happy and do whatever you got to do to make him feel good so that he doesn't leave you, go sleep with somebody else. You know, of course, that's a big issue that a lot of women, even when they're physically in pain, they will have sex because they don't want their man to get frustrated and go out and seek other women. So it is a mindset that we as a community, we as a community just have to do a better job of sitting down as Black people and returning to the culture that we were, that, that we were born for or what was designed for us. Because we've been taught that we as women don't have as much value as a man. So our job is to please. We were never taught ever in every woman's 
home, the grandmamas or whatever, they like, girl, not every woman, but a lot of women. It's like, girl, just fake it. Just do whatever you got to do. Keep that man happy. And we never are taught what it takes to keep us happy as well. And by the way, most men don't know what the hell they doing. I, I'm t- I keep saying that over but and over again. Your body's going to know. Listen, it's just like boxing, right? And, I, and I'm doing a lot of boxing now. And I'm learning techniques. It's shit that I didn't know that I know now. You know, shit that I used to know. And I, but I'm being reminded. The, the trainer is saying, hey, you got to do it this way. You got to turn this way. You got to do this. You got to keep doing it. No, no, you got to keep doing it. Even with, You got to keep doing it. So my thing is this. If they're... I don't understand how a relationship, right? Unless I don't know, I don't know no man that's comfortable with just being in a relationship with a slave, right? You want, you want, you want someone who values you. Yes, you want respect. You want somebody that uplifts you, that makes you feel good. But that's damn near like rape. If I'm having sex with a woman and she ain't enjoying herself and she in pain and she doing all this shit just for me, I don't want that. No, I don't think any man of any level of integrity and honor wants to be having sex with a woman that's just going to appease you and you're not enjoying it and and you're not telling me the things that can do to make you feel good. I don't, like, who taught you that that's what men want? but well, I'm telling you that society but what I would say, I don't know about nobody wanting it because some people could care less, couldn't care less whether they are actually pleasing a woman. Some men, they, they don't Not even a man that's in a relationship with a woman. If you just a woman that somebody just sees as, you know, you just something to do, then cool. They just all I know is that all I know is that sometimes when I hear you speak. I hear you speak about you and your circle, your friends. I hear Angelo, uh, attorney Angelo Pinto, our other, um, uh, the one of the four co-founders of Until Freedom. When, when you all are talking and when we have these types of discussions, you often speak about it from your own perspective. I'm trying to tell you as a woman, right, that I have. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why I think the conversation, right? You as a woman can tell me how you perceive things because I can't tell you as a man. You didn't let me finish saying what I'm saying. As a woman, I'm telling you what my experience has been and what the experiences of a lot of other women have been. They can't even, the, the thing is, a lot of men are fragile. They have fragile um, egos and they cannot take anybody telling them what they are or are not doing properly. They can't even have those kind of those kind of conversations. I will say that some of it goes back to the fact that when you lie or fake as a woman for so long, you have a situation where people don't know. They don't even know what they don't know. So therefore, it's like, you know, they, they believe that they're doing something because you're faking it and making them think that they're actually doing something good and they're not. So that that I get it. I get how we got here. And I understand there's a lot of guys out here that they've been lied to for so long that they don't even know what they don't know. But I'm saying still this point, my original point is that a lot of men can't even take a woman telling them, hey, actually, I don't even have orgasms with you. It's not really working. They can't take that. You know what they do? They, let me tell you what they do. They get an attitude about it. 
It gets in their head. They're unable to even move forward. And the other thing that some of them do is go find Trixie who is going, and whether, and maybe she does like it or she's faking better. But a lot of people's ego is too fragile to take you coming to them, telling them the truth. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I, I, my thing is this. I don't, it's not that I don't understand it for the man. Cause I can understand the man because he go, he getting off whether you tell him or not. He going, he getting whatever he get. He think you doing, he think you like it. So he going along with the situation. What I don't get is the mind state of a woman. And you just said all of that. And I still, for the life of me, it still does not make sense to me that you would want to inhabitat, be in a relationship with. Inhabitat. I don't know which word with. I don't know. I guess you said live in the same space yeah. and together. Ah, uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. You want to have you want to share space with somebody, all of these things with somebody who doesn't satisfy you like and, and, and be in a relationship with that. I just don't understand. Well, like, we can put a pin here. I'm yeah. not. It ain't going to happen. I'm right? saying, like, but when, when I'm listening to them say that shit, I'm like, it is unbelievable. So, yo, please, Jesse, I'm in and let me know, Jesse, Jesse, to let me know what's going on, because I'm confused. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, our sister was telling the truth about her experience. And it is the experience of a lot of women because Candy in that same clip, she ended it by saying that 85% or so of women don't have orgasms from penetration because it's not the easiest thing to do. You got to have a lot of patience. You have to actually get to learn a woman's body and what it is that's going to trigger them. And there's a lot of prior and, and, you know, a lot of things mentally, right? Like you can't stress me out. You a liar, you a cheater. We going through all of this drama and then we lay down together and I'm, and I'm supposed to have these amazing experiences. Actually, all of that sex doesn't just start in a bed. Sex starts outside of that. I think it's for men. If a woman, if a man laid out, he tired, you don't fought him one day, and yeah, he ain't touching the woman, they like, oh, you don't want me, this and that. Why you ain't trying to touch me? You because you don't I don't you don't argue so much. I'm I'm not in the space to even want to have sex. That is some I shit. Don't I'm I so don't disagree. I don't disagree. We all have the same issue. So we got yeah. work we gotta do on the relationship so we could get to the pleasure that we the peak of pleasure that we supposed to have. And with that said, we've come to an end of another dope episode. Shout out to Devlin Carter, Side Collections, um, Somewhere in America brand. Make sure you follow him. The brother's doing dope stuff. Happy Black History Month. It should be Black History Year. That's another thing I don't get why we just let these people give us a month like we only work for a month. We built this motherfucking country. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, shout out to my man, Bungie Brand. We can't see it. We can't see it. You can't oh. see it. See, yeah, yeah bungee brand. You know, you see how it fit my my contour. You know what I'm saying? You see how it fits right. And these, I the see sleeves. something going on on the back of the sleeve. Yeah, it's dope. This is this down. Bungee, this is quality. Uh, yeah, bungee brand. You know, another black owned. You know, make sure you these is yo. I ain't gonna lie, these right here. These my joys. They so. But you gotta be clear of what you're talking about. This is the science. But the brand on you, you didn't finish saying. Bungee brand, bungee brand, bungee. Right. So I wanted to shout them out. But Just water is also a black. Look, you see, look, black shit. Get you a pair Just of these. Water, it's the only water I drink. Just water. This yes, is the Smith me. brand. This is Jaden Smith, the son of. Jada Pinkett and Will Smith, the, the brother of, of Willow, 
that's my little family, they our family, they um, have created something great. Jaden did something great with this water. It tastes amazing, but beyond it tasting amazing, he is doing great things by making sure this water makes it into the hands of people who need it. It ain't cheap, but he gives away a lot of it for free. He does. So y'all support him. Shout out to Jaden. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to Street Politicians, number one podcast in the world. Shout <laughs> out to Black people. Keep being great. We salute you. As always, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory's not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWoman.tv. That's how we own it! Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.